Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M, where we help entrepreneurs improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop. Well, we got a little story for you, Ags. Casey Sledge. Fighting Texas Aggie class of 1993 is the founder and president of Sledge Engineering, a firm that is dedicated to eliminating waste in the K-12 school construction projects. Texas is a growing state and there are over $10 billion of new construction projects in this industry every single year. So it is no wonder that Sledge Engineering is one of the fastest growing Aggie-owned companies. So pass it back and listen up as Casey shares some really good bull. Well, Casey, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We love you, love your story. We were so excited to be able to celebrate with you a couple months ago and you and your team's Aggie 100 win. So first off, thank you for joining us. Congratulations on that win. And we really appreciate your willingness to to share your story and wisdom with us today. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for that. And it's great to meet you guys. Let's kick it off. We love Love hearing uh, old ag stories, and uh, as, as we continue to be out of college, we we tend to miss it a little bit. Casey, what do you miss about no longer being a student at A and M? Well, being in my twenties would be great again, first of all. <laughs> but I, hey, we we uh, we tell our kids and, and everybody uh, that's that's young and, and and growing up and getting ready for that decision. College life is some of the best years, and college life at Texas A and M is is fantastic. Uh, certainly, some of my best years. Had such a great time in college. Uh, it was a lot different coming out than I was going in. Like I, I think you know, you, you ought to be or expect to be. Developed lifelong friendships there. Uh, learned learned about myself quite a bit. Tried a lot of new things. Met a lot of new people. I'm from a really small town, and so even 30 years ago, College Station was really huge to me. I think we had about 40,000 undergrads at the time, which was just a, a, a huge amount. Of course, today it's obviously a lot more than that. <laughs> and then in, in, in my, uh, the cherry on top for me is I met my wife, class of 92, at AM. And so, of course, that's been totally life-changing. But uh, w- one connector for us that we're really enjoying right now, we have four children and uh, one is uh, still in uh, school and uh, eighth grade, but the other three are all Aggies and one of them is graduating. So awesome. Congratulations. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've got a pretty maroon household. We're waiting on, uh, personally, I'm waiting on uh, my son's application at this point uh, for that. So yeah, for this next year, upcoming in fall 23. So, so we, we know what that waiting is like. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> Perseverance. There's, yeah, yeah. We tell all our kids and our kids' friends, there's many avenues to get there uh, and your path can be your path, but you can do it. Absolutely. Well, Casey, you know, one of my favorite things about Aggie Growth Hacks is that I get to learn all of these really awesome entrepreneurial journeys from, from all these Aggie uh, entrepreneurs. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your company and your entrepreneurial journey? Well, you bet. Um, mine, mine might be a little interesting. Uh, I never had any entrepreneurial thoughts even after college. You know, the generation above mine, uh, everyone worked one or two jobs their whole career, and that's what you did. And that's what I watched my whole life. And with, with my my parents and my older siblings, you just picked your job and work. I thought I'd go to college and I might have a good job, but that's just what I would do. But I fell into uh, city government, really kind of accident, just having some friends in the industry. Uh, When I graduated, the market was not like it is today. So I was trying to get a job. And after 
10 years of being basically a city engineer for a couple of cities, it really just dawned on me almost overnight how much waste there was in the governmental and construction industries. It took me a while to realize that it was everywhere. I thought it was just where I was, but as I started to network and, and learn and you know learn the vendors in this industry, it's just mind-blowing. I mean, it was just really bothering me. And I realized I was only helping one city at a time when I was an employee there. And so took a deep breath and got with the wife and really thought about it a lot. We we started Sledge Engineering to, to really, at the time, it was going to be to just help cities be smarter and more efficient and don't waste so much money, yet keep your projects good, save some taxpayer money. That felt good, right? Yeah, you bet. I mean, I don't like paying taxes either, right? So why don't we make it more efficient? What we what happened though is uh, we learned really by accident, as wasteful as we thought cities might be, we got a call to look at a school construction project, uh, it was drainage related, and we went and looked at it. And it took about one day for us to figure out there was a lot more money being spent with a lot less oversight than the K twelve school industry even compared to cities. And uh, so we really veered that direction. We got to know the K-12 industry, you know, education industry in Texas, and we've really been there ever since. Uh, and then we started growing the company just a little bit. And uh, we definitely don't have any shortage of work. I don't think we could work ourselves out of our job. We try, but I don't think we ever can. There's just too much out there. There's just too much work and there's too much waste, frankly. And, you know, another interesting thing about our our goals are of all the waste that's out there, the, the people that want to keep their hands on that money don't really like our approach. And so there's a lot of pushback, direct and indirect, for a lot of reasons. You know, some just entrepreneurial on their side and some worse reasons. So anyway, it's been an interesting journey, but that's kept our passion up. So Casey, as you kind of walk through this, so, so let's unpack that a little bit. So you have a very niche engineering firm that, that specializes in the uh, construction the design construction of schools. So, so where do you fit in that? Are, are you actually in the design project? Are you the project management during the construction? Are you the, does a city hire you? You know, I know that's like eight questions, but you, you know, kind of tell us a little bit more. It's a great question. And one we have to answer quite frequently, uh, you know, first of all, is let, let us, you know, we have to tell our client what our role is. And that's usually most of the battle is, well, other people say they're doing that already. You don't need to be here type thing. So our role is uh, would be working directly for the owner or the governmental entity, the, the the city or the school district, and being an owner's representative of some kind for them. And we have various level of services, but basically, as a owner's project manager for the project is our really most common role. That's really what we've grown up on and what we've done for a long time, uh, and how we've trained our staff to, to handle. If we're not there, the project goes on without us just fine. There's a design team. There's a construction team. It, it will keep going. So we, we, we don't have to be there. So it's a, it's a business challenge, right? We have to introduce the value before we're there and let them see the value uh, or convince them that that value is valid. And almost every time, all the other vendors they either have talked to or considered are saying the opposite because they generally don't want the fox watching the hen house. You know, there's no gain to the vendors for us being there, but there might be some negativity. We're going to hold them accountable. And even if they're good vendors, they don't really want us hold them accountable anyway. So it, it, it's a challenge. Uh, that was the toughest challenge to growth for us, really, was how do we convince people we're even needed? Wow. Yeah. So th that's a really, really interesting niche there. So and, and I'm going to dig further into that. What's been the craziest situation that you've ever been in? 
Because I can imagine just, you know. Don't, don't name You don't have to name names. Yeah. You know, we, we may have seen it in the news, but I don't. Well, okay. Cra- craziest situation. I, I've got a few, but there's, uh, I'll, I'll give you, I've got a couple that are similar, but this is the same type of story. And, uh, it's, and they're a little painful sometimes. So we'll have maybe a good leader of, let's say, a school district bring us in, realize this, we can bring value to them. They don't really know what they're doing. And so they want someone on their side to make sure everything is going well. Great. That's what we do. And uh, there's really big money in these projects. You know, you, you've all seen school bond projects, you know. So there's this uh, one project in a really rural area, but they had run into oil money. And uh, or at least they felt they had it. They probably overspent. But they went and built a 50-something million dollar high school. Today, today that's not very much. It'd be about $150 million a day. So oh, this is all that. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's huge money. Well, with that kind of money, you can start to imagine the attractiveness to people to want to come get their hands on this money. All, all types, from a subcontractor to a general contractor, a designer, a school board member, whatever it is. I mean, we've all seen these headlines, you know, school board member, city council member, you know, indicted for whatever, you know. Uh, some of the craziest, but the, really the craziest things we've dealt with have been uh, based on people trying to take money. The toughest to deal with is, is fraud. Construction fraud is really difficult to catch and prove because there's so many contracts and money's moving. Yeah. I mean, shell corporations, brother-in-law deals can happen a lot, and they do. I wouldn't say not on the majority of projects, but they do happen enough. I mean, every month we see a headline, even just in Texas, where someone's been caught and there's a problem. And there's so many that don't make the headlines. That's usually the ones we're involved in. But some of these projects have been, um, we had one where the uh, school board had wanted to hire an architect that they had a relationship with, wanted to pay them this million dollar fee for a project, but the fee should have been about $80,000. So it's 10 times marked up. Well, they ask us to look at it. We see this is really bad. It's so bad. We had to pause and ask, uh, hey, y'all realize what's going on? And uh, we got an odd response, though the school superintendent, who was new, he's like, you got to tell them. Okay, well, they have public meetings, right? And so they uh, wanted me to come to the public board meeting, which had like 100 people in it. And uh, I said, look, we got to warn you, if they ask about this, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to be brutally honest and tell them, if you don't want this to come up, don't let them ask me. He, he says, no, stick to your guns. That's, what, that's why you're here. All right. And so they asked me and uh, I tell them, and I'll like, you know, you just, you should not do this. You're you're just giving this away. And there's newspapers there and whatnot. And the design team is in the room and you know, eye contact's getting a little tense. And the board pauses. And when I just when I think it's gonna be all the news and everybody's gonna, you know, have a gasp and the air's gonna come out of the room, one of the board members votes to approve it and they vote unanimously to to, to approve that contract. Wow. I was floored. The the vendors looking at me and kind of with this, you know smirk on his face. <laughs> I didn't realize at the time what I was missing, but of course, work had been happening behind the scenes. Turns out they had a deal made. We got let go two days later, and so did the superintendent. And so uh, I, the the story, I mean, the, the point of that, and there's nothing else we could do, of course, I'm, I'm giving you like a horrible story, but as hurtful and no fun as that was, it also drives us to stay the course, if you will, because most of the time those work well and we prevent those bad things from happening, but it's out there. I mean, we've seen contractors turn in receipts for personal items. I mean, all kinds of things. Casey, knowing that you're you're in a really unique industry that's also very, very visible, how how is being in that and the integrity that you have to have, how has that shaped your company? What 
what are your company values, the things that you live by, and and how has that really helped guide your growth and as you're as you're leading your company? Well, yeah, great question. It certainly reminded us of, of our integrity and how key it is to not waver a bit. It's been tough to do in times like that. You know, we could stay quiet and we wouldn't be called out, if you will, but that's just not what we do. That's not why we're here. Uh, you know, we're not here to just get along. We're here to try to make a difference. Uh, and we don't seek out these problems, but we do enough work. We just can't avoid them. You know, they're, they're around. You know, the, the good news is that integrity has come back around others, usually not when it happens, but a month, a year later, we've actually been contacted and people will say, Hey, I heard about this story and I heard the inside story or whatever it is. And like many industries, it's, it's kind of a small industry as far as communication. School superintendents, for example, they all talk, you know, and I mean, while they, while they don't get to stay in their job more than four or five years, sadly, just because of the political basis of them getting hired, they talk, you know, and they've got their circles. And a year or two later, we've had people come to us and say, Hey, I've heard about you. We want to get to know you and we want your help. So we don't have to have those problems. And that's so rewarding. That's been, that's really great. It reminds us. You know that we're doing the right thing, even when it doesn't always feel like it. Yeah, and and, and that's gotta just kind of hit you really hard, you know, when stuff like that happens. So shifting gears a little bit here, you know, every business has their success story and and how they got there in their journey, right? And everyone that we've talked to has a tipping point, right? There, there's a specific time that this happened that that we've really started seeing growth. What's the tipping point that helped take your business? to that next level? Well, that's a great question. We certainly have had that that tipping point. And uh, I think I like to joke that I got my Barnes & Noble MBA. Uh, I don't have an MBA, but I used to read a lot of books starting out, you know, how to run a business for dummies, that kind of thing. And a lot of it was just, uh, you know, droned on, but there was a few things, you know, I read in one book that I have a contrarian personality in general, probably, you know, Tell me what I can't do. That's probably what I'm going to do. Or tell me <laughs> I have to comply. I'm probably going to be looking for reasons why that's the case. Uh, it does help us with the government, by the way, though. There's so much red tape. It also helps us go through it. But but back to the tipping point, for, for us, it really got down to relationships. While we had figured out how to do this work and how to s- salvage this waste really pretty clearly, I didn't have any doubts or you know, our confidence in that was really high. Problem was, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it just becomes difficult to explain to people why our value is needed, or is that value real? Is that true? Are you really going to save 10% on our entire bond program? That doesn't seem realistic. Well, and then you throw in the vendors who tell them off to the side, oh, of course you don't need that. That's just you know a waste of money, whatever, because they don't want us to be there. Even the ones that like us don't want us to be there, right? And so that's made it tough. And I I realized quickly if we're gonna if we're gonna grow and go get more work, we're gonna have to do more marketing and whatnot. And you know, do we hire a marketing team? Do we hire a marketing consultant? What do we do? And we tried a few things, but ultimately, and this is this is kind of a hack, I guess. I realized after maybe two cold calls that one, I don't like cold calls, and this is not going to be very effective, right? So in in the school superintendent world, in the K twelve school world, I can't call all of them. I mean, there's there's over twelve hundred school districts in Texas. If you didn't know that. Yeah. You know, I don't need to work for all of them. Surely I can get a few of these. Well, I can't call them all. So who do they listen to? Who do they trust? What association do they tie to? And we found that there are two really strong associations. There's more than two, but there's two primary ones that connect to schools. And so I thought, well, I don't know. Let me see if I can deal with one of these associations. Maybe they'll listen. 
in, in summary, this is really a pretty unique story. The first association, it's the uh, Texas Association of School Boards, if you look them up, they're a uh, several hundred employed nonprofit that most school boards, well, uh, really all the school boards uh, have a relationship with and, and spend money on and they do training and whatnot. It's a huge organization, do a lot of good things. We got we got to see these folks from TASB uh, at a conference one year just to meet them. We didn't know them at all. I mean, barely knew who they were, right? We're learning the industry. Well, we went to a seminar that they were talking about construction. We sat in the back. We immediately realized, wow, they need some help. These were education folks who, who had been in facilities like maintenance, but weren't really strong on the design and construction side, didn't have our background. We connected uh, immediately. We got a relationship. Within a year, we had the first and only agreement and won an RFQ from them to be their sole provider for facilities, guidance, and services throughout the whole state. Wow. When was that? Oh, my gosh. This was 12 years ago now. Okay. So we had a multi-year agreement with them. So that was transforming for us for sure. We went all over the state. I mean, essentially, they would call up and be like, oh, hey, you got a new project. You get going. So, wow, that really worked. That's a sales force. You, you just you know, go up to the sales force. Well, that's correct. I'm, so there's a hack, right? And I mean, it was hard to do. It took, it took a lot of time to work that relationship, but it worked out. They had some really good people there working. But like many relationships, people move on, people change. They switched out some personnel. And after about five years, we ended that relationship, kind of going different paths. Uh, as good as it was. And I thought, well, wow, we've lost our marketing. Like, what are we going to do now? Remember, I told you there was two groups. So generally, the other group that services all the school districts in Texas are the education service centers. If you looked it up, now these are actually appointed by TEA, Texas Education Agency, many years ago. And basically, there's 20 regions and you know, there's one in San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, College Station, et cetera, Austin. And um, Austin, the Austin region is, is region 13. That just happens to be the number. And Reach 13 is very uh, close. They're one of the largest ones, one due to the population, but also their connectivity to state government. They're right by the Capitol. And so they work with TA a lot. It has several hundred employees, Region 13 does. And I thought, well, it would sure be great if we could get in with Region 13 or one of these regions and kind of go back to that model that was working so well. But how do we do that? And back to karma. It just so happened that very year, Region 13 was uh, hiring a brand new executive director, which doesn't happen often. That is a great job. It's a highly sought after job. The former guy had been there for you know over a decade or something. Well, we get a phone call. I got a phone call. Uh, I remember I was in a hotel room somewhere and got a phone call from the about to be incoming executive director who's still there today. And many years ago, we had helped him through a project. His district didn't want to hire us very much, but I helped him anyway. And he never forgot that hmm. he called and said, hey, can we do a relationship uh, where you help us help all the uh, school districts around here and in Texas? And that's what we did. So we, we did it twice. Casey, that, that is so cool that, that you found how to bring value to your customers through the associations, through the things that, that they found valuable. I see. That, it, that helped you all grow. Yeah. And, and, and the people there, it reached 13. I mean, really like Tasby Pride, just a lot of good people. You know, they're all in education and they're really just about educating kids. And that's the ultimate goal. They have training courses galore. They've pulled us into training. We've filmed many training sessions with them now. And that's great. So there's a little more legacy that can go on out there, you know, how to do construction. Those are both really tipping points for us. And uh, those hacks have been really tremendous for us. So, Casey, as, as you look out over the next 10, 15 years, where do you see sledge engineering? What, what's your B hack? 
<laughs> RP Hank. Well, really quite simple. Uh, we're really focused now and we just want to get more waste out of the industry. And if it's not personally working on one of the projects, because there's so many, we're really transitioning through an education and a training program. Uh, that's We've been working on that behind the scenes for about a year now. Uh, a little bit of that has, has been leaked out. We've got a lot more to come. And that, you know, just like education, it enables us to reach out and touch many more folks, right, than just the projects we're managing. Just some rough statistics for you. In Texas alone, uh, this is a conservative number, but Texas public schools, K-12 schools, spend about $10 billion every year on new projects. $10 billion. Wow. I mean, it wasn't that much when we started every year. So ten billion this year, ten billion next year, and on and on. We document that we generally save well over ten percent. We use that number because it's it's lower than what it really is. So put that math to it. If we could save ten percent of all of that money, it's a billion dollars a year that's being wasted right now. And so you let that soak in. And think about all the tax money you're paying every year when you write your tax check. And it, it's really good motivation. I mean, we want to keep doing that. We want people to listen. Hey, if we're not going to work on your project, please take some of these tips and apply them to your own project. Yeah. You know, reduce our tax burden. And, and we're not cutting the projects up. Uh, it'd be one thing to cut an arm or leg off the project. Oh, it's cheaper now. Well, that's not really making it any better. Our goal is to reduce waste, find the savings, but make the project even better, make it last a long time. And that's what we're doing. Interesting. You're in College Station, right? You're 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 helping College Station ISD you're out, right? College Station, right? Because <laughs> I think since I moved back seven years ago, there's been like literally there's been like four skill schools built. So well, yeah. no, you, we're not currently. Uh, we know some of the people there. We we'd love to we'd love to entertain that. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, we're gonna head into our lightning round now. But before we do that, we're gonna pause here for a message from our sponsor. All right, and we are back. And are you ready for our lightning round, Casey? I'm ready. All right. So we, the rules here are simple. You have one minute or less to answer each question. You ready? Uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it to a minute. <laughs> All right. Let's start it off with the first one. What is your favorite hack? Well, you've already talked about hacks, right? But let's let's talk about your favorite hack. This can be personal. It can be business, whatever. Anything goes. We are Aggie Growth Hacks. I got a good business one and a silly personal one. So business hack. Drop the bottom 10% of your clients every year. Tough to do. Tough to do, but it allows you to grow to get you off a plateau. Drop the bottom 10% of your clients every year. Love it. My, my personal hack, this is a little embarrassing, but everyone makes fun of me for it. Uh, we actually have an office on the property we live on, and I take a 200-foot commute via skateboard every day to my office. So I have a pretty sweet commute. Nice. <laughs> Love it. So did, how was the commute a couple winters ago during Snowmageddon? Well, I don't always stay as vertical as I like. <laughs> Casey, what's the favorite bit of advice that you've ever been given? Favorite advice I've been giving. Uh, I, I've applied this many ways, but I'll get back to one story. I was playing uh, high school tennis and struggling because we didn't have much of a coach. And I'm practicing by myself and my dad was there. And uh, he was a tennis player, but I just I can't hit the ball in, right? I'm hitting this forehand or whatever. And I just can't hit the ball in. I'm struggling. I'm getting frustrated, right? I'm a teenager. I go to my dad and... Hey, what am I doing wrong? I, just help me out here. And he pauses for a really long time and he's thinking, right? And he finally leans in and says, well, you keep hitting it out. Just hit it in. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being pretty angry about that response. I wasn't ready. Thanks a lot. But eventually I learned he was trying to prevent me from overthinking. Don't overthink it. And I actually have used that advice. I use that advice to pick my college major, believe it or not, at A&M. I couldn't decide like a lot of us, just pick one. And I did. And so just do it is really the best advice. Love it. 
Love it. All right, Casey, what is your superpower? Superpower is uh, sort of being able to talk a long time. It's probably reading the room and reading people. We, we often have to present in uh, difficult situations, be it a construction meeting where there's tense people and frustration or a public meeting or yelling taxpayers or whatever it is, reading that room, understanding it, and staying calm. What gets you out of bed and excited about your business every day? Uh, I, keep, I keep coming back to it. Waste reduction, protecting taxpayer money. I don't care much for government or red tape or taxes. And I think everyone would agree with most of that. And, you know, knowing that we're going to be able to make a difference like that in sometimes really significant ways, that definitely gets us up every day. So cool. Well, Casey, how can the Aggie Network get in touch with you and support you moving forward? Well, I, I'm sure they're going to tune into Aggie Growth Hacks and, and uh, you know, get a connection that way. That's what I hope yeah. they'll do. You know, social media website, let us you know, get our expertise to your school project. You guys made a comment all ago. Go tell your school district. Yeah. I guarantee you if they got a project, there's waste they don't even know about. Usually they're thinking, no, we're fine. Well, they just don't realize, but we can show them. Well, Casey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for educating us. on. I, I didn't even know that this specialty existed. Oh my gosh, with with $10 billion a year, it definitely is needed. And thank you for, for doing that work. Thank you for letting us learn about you and just uh, share your story with the Aggie Growth Hacks family. Yeah, my pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that pretty awesome or what? I know that I took a lot out of that. I mean, he has some really interesting stories and I'm pretty sure that he has a million more interesting stories that we could just sit there and listen to all day long. So what was your biggest takeaway from that, Greg? Well, we, we love having engineers on Aggie Growth Hacks. I know that we've had four or five of them. And every single time, what I, I'm amazed about engineering firms is that they are able to find a niche that serves their community and and lets them grow a company that's extremely successful. You know, but I, I was really impressed with how Casey really started his whole entrepreneur journey saying that I can I can help eliminate waste. And this is this is a huge industry, a lot of projects going on. And to be able to help serve taxpayers and communities and by by eliminating waste through managing their construction projects, that's pretty cool. But also he stepped into an industry that potentially, and and he said it, I mean, sometimes, unfortunately, there are bad things that happen. There are things that, that aren't above board, but he walked into it and said, I've got to have integrity above all. The integrity of himself, his team, his company to be able to be completely open and honest, to be a third-party project manager, that requires so much integrity. And so he he just hammered on it time and time and time and time again. And I mean, hey, as an entrepreneur, that's table stakes. And everyone that's listening, I think you would agree, hey, that shouldn't necessarily have to be a core value or whatever. But like Casey said, I mean, but in his industry, it's so prevalent that there are bad things that happen, that he's really standing out for integrity. So I, I applaud him. But it's also a little bit sad that that table stake is is something that is setting him aside or setting him apart and above. But kudos to him and his team for leaning into that for all that it's worth. So what about you, Chris? What'd you take away? Well, I totally agree with you. And it goes along with the Aggie Code of Honor. Aggies don't lie, cheat or steal, right? And, you know, that's perfect, perfectly aligned with with Sledge Engineering right there, I think. So my biggest takeaway, I actually had a couple. I had, I, I wrote a lot of things down as, as he was talking. The first one uh, that really, really stuck out 
and something that I've been hearing, you know, is the relation building relationships with the associations, right? Of your target audience. I think that's that's ingenious. As a marketer, I, yeah. I knew that you would, you would drill in on that. <laughs> but I think that's genius, right? I mean, that's the 80-20 rule of sales and in, in the right is is that you're and so you're using Pareto's law to do the one thing that can give you massive results, right? So I think that that simply by doing that and and attaching himself to those and and really building those relationships within the associations uh, is just that's awesome. The next one was <laughs> dropping the bottom ten percent of your clients every year. I think that's that's and I've heard that before and I've done it before and but I haven't done it in a really really long time. Sorry, clients, you're gonna get you're gonna get on the chopping block there. <laughs> well, Chris, only the bottom ten, and, oh, and so yeah. so if you aren't if you're a customer of Chris and you don't get a pink slip, then you need to be thanking him because you know that you're <laughs> you're in, you're his top ninety percent. But seriously, Ags, thank you so much for joining us today. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. Uh, I hope that you connect with Casey. I mean, he he is very. Uh, open and honest about what he does. So if you or your school district and locally is, is looking at a project, hope that you reach out to him, at least get his advice and understand what he does and how you guys can be protected. Hope that you connect with Chris and I and connect with Aggie Growth Hacks. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all the social media programs except for TikTok. So we're, we're not on TikTok yet, but seriously, uh, connect with us. Check out AggieGrowthHacks.com where you can hear this episode, our previous episodes. And finally, hope that you give a big gig a big thumbs up on the podcast app that you're listening to, like and share it so that we can get Aggie Growth Hacks out to many more people and connect other ags. Well, ags, we want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a entrepreneur, head on over to their website right now and find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthhacks.com forward slash McFerrin. Well, Ags, join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Till then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig em.